or learn from this? Uh, I think that one of the things we learn from it is that when they say he's in the desert or he's over in this city or wherever, that no, he's not. That's an impersonator because the Bible tells us he's coming right back to the Mount of Olives, mm-hmm. wherever that it location all- actually is. <laughs> yeah. That's it, it also it also puts the end to that it's going to be a rapture and it's going to be secret. God is telling us it's not going to be secret. Everybody's going to see him and he's going to be on Mount the Mount Olive. Man, amen. Anyone else want to add to it? And also the holy city is going to be coming with them. So if you see somebody walking down natural bridge claiming to be Jesus, you know it's not him. Okay, for all these different reasons. And what else is coming with Jesus and the holy city? I know y'all read ahead. The The angels will be with him. What else did you read was going to be with them? Well, it says that uh, his glory and his splendor and his whole mighty army is going to be there. And he's bringing our reward. We're going to be given our reward when he gets here. Yeah, all those things are true. In the first paragraph towards the end of that, it also says the Garden of Eden, which was taken up after man's transgression, now descends with the city more beautiful and glorious than when it was removed from earth. That'd be pretty amazing, won't it? I don't think anybody's going to be able to uh, duplicate that. So we will definitely know by all these things that we're looking at Jesus and not an imposter. So, you know, that's why it says that if it were possible, the very elect will be deceived because the very elect will have studied and know what to look for. And I think uh, we've all talked about how people looking for counterfeit money, they study the the real money so that when they see a counterfeit, they recognize it. So now we've studied the real money about Jesus' second coming. So if we see anything short of what we've read, then we know that it's counterfeit, right? And we can also share that with others. The next paragraph says, Jesus descended upon a great mighty mountain, which as soon as his feet touched it, parted asunder and became a mighty plain. That's going to be pretty amazing that the city's going to come down and settle in that mighty plain uh, where we'll see it. Then we go to the next paragraph. It says, the marks of sin's curse are visible in the resurrected wicked. That's paragraph 123.1. What is this paragraph saying to us? What is it talking about in this paragraph? Well, it talks about that when they, when the uh, wicked come, I mean, when the um, it's uh, dead in Christ. Those who are, have not, will not be changed. You those come, coming up this wicked going to have their same old ugly bodies and stuff. They won't be made new like the dead in Christ. Okay. Uh, Karen, what were you saying you had cut out? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying that the dead, the dead that are not Christ will not have new perfect and more that. So they have, they'll have the same old body down to the grave. Yeah. The marks of this curse of sin are still visible. So people be, uh, you know, not glorified bodies like the righteous dead will have, but they'll just be the same way they went down into the grave. That's how they're going to come up and you'll be able to see a difference between the resurrected righteous and the resurrected wicked. So when all these evil, mm-hmm. come up, what is Satan going to try and do? He's going to try to make war. Pull them all together to fight against the holy, to take the holy city. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like an evil person, something an evil person would do? You lost every battle. throughout history 
this is your final battle and here come these wicked, cursed, sinful, deformed people up from the grave <laughs> and you see the number of them and you immediately think, I think we can beat Jesus this time. We'll, we'll get all these people together and we'll attack the city. You know, so again, Satan's hopes revive. He's still not going to give up and say that he lost. He's never going to give up and admit he was wrong and that all the sin and suffering was because of him. He's still going to try and get together into an army and try and get them to attack the saints. So, you guys. Elder Carroll, so I got easy. a question. Okay. I let that other person go before I ask you this question. Okay. Uh, this is so uncanny. This sounds so much like uh, Trump. It just really does. <laughs> Amen. That whole description <laughs> is exactly what we have going on now. And even, you know, now next month is the month they're supposed to come back and take over the city, if you will. They're supposed to come back, you know. Again. It's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what, Elder Carol, I said, Lakita, me, I, this week I put down in my notes, I put, how can Satan say he was unlawfully <laughs> get, taken out, take, you know, taking it, what they say, they, they said he was unlawfully wrestled from him, well, his inheritance. And I thought, I put that down. I said, I said, we see how Trump is today and the chaos he caused, but Satan is even on a greater level. Because he is, Satan is the creative being and saying his inheritance was taken. It was taken because of what he did, his iniquities and his sin and his pride. But he's not going to admit that. And it's just like, you know, I put that down. I said, we ain't supposed to be looking at the world, but I put Trump has done the same thing and caused chaos. And that's what's happening. Yes. That's what's going to happen at the end when evil is put to shame. Satan has done started all this chaos. And look at, you know, just like, and look at, um, just like Satan, you know, he's trying to get, he, first of all, he's not admitting that it's his fault that all these people are dead from the, from the pandemic. You know, he absolutely refused to, to, to say that he's wrong, but the people who, know that they that he lost the race all this i'm talking about not just the citizens but those leaders they know that he's wrong but they're going to get up and fight with him and they know he's wrong yes yeah, just i guess earth is a microcosm in that sense of what's going to happen yeah yeah like you had just said patsy um satan's not going to admit uh but he's going to say that his inheritance was unlawfully taken from him, just like Trump saying that the election was stolen from him. And mm. goes on as, as far as to say that it's because of his power that the wicked dead are resurrected from the graves. Mm. He's even going to claim that. And the presence of Christ having been removed, remember that the uh, Holy Spirit is being withdrawn from the earth even now. Well, it says it, uh, the, the presence of Christ having been removed, Satan works wonders to support his claim, makes the weak strong and inspires them with energy. And that's when they, uh, he leads them against the city of God. So it's, it's just amazing the things that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the next paragraph, it starts out, Satan and his followers march against the holy city. That's paragraph 124.2. Mm -hmm. The title is Satan and his followers march against the Holy City. Yeah. So about halfway down, I marked Satan, the mightiest of wars, leads, and his angels unite their forces for this final struggle. With military precision, they advance over the earth's broken, uneven surface. You know, and the earth is all broken up from the final last plagues and the uh, second coming. Then by command, Jesus commands to close the gates to New Jerusalem. So I guess until then the gates are open, but then once these evil, wicked people start advancing towards it, then they close the gates and the army of Satan surround the city ready to attack. My That's question is, I wonder even why the gates open at all. Yeah. Ahead, my, question, my question is, these wicked ones that's being raised up, if they're able to see God in the city, they know that they're lost. 
So why would you keep fighting when you have to realize that you, it was because of what you didn't do that you're lost? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the Lord is giving us right here in this example that we're looking at in the political scenes, this person absolutely know they lost. You know, they took those ballots. I was just asking Lee before this even started, out of Arizona, I think it's Arizona, where they're supposed to be recounting, recounting, and they found some of the ballots where they found in Oregon. Oregon. They found some of the ballots <laughs> in Oregon. What are they doing? They've had these ballots for months and months and months. You know, so for me and my my way of thinking is that Either trying to create new ballots, trying to make it like, make it be what they want it to be. But it's, it's right here in front of us. You see people who know and absolutely know what's right and wrong. And yet they're doing everything in their power not to acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting a lot <laughs> of that nowadays. People, is just obvious through evidence and experience that what they're saying is wrong, but they refuse to acknowledge it. So it's the same type of people. There are people that said they're willing to die for this cause that's on that side. When you have a deprived mind and giving yourself totally over to the enemy, there's no logic. Yeah. There is no logic. You're right. And even and the Bible says God would give them up to a reprobate mind. So he'll and he said he'll make them believe a lie. Allow People will lean so far over that no matter what they see in front of them, they can twist it. And I tell you, if you talk to these people long enough, they will almost make sense. <laughs> so you can't even really talk to them. Sad. So the next paragraph starts, the final coronation of Christ takes place before the entire universe. So as was pointed out, everybody's going to see what's going on. And it's, it's nice when you read this description of Christ up on the um, throne, high and lifted up. Remember that song, high and lifted up? Yeah. Yeah, and then it's got the uh, foundation of burnished gold. No, uh, no language can describe the glory of the eternal father enshrouding his son, the brightness of his presence filling the whole city flowing out beyond the gates and flooding the whole earth with its radiance. I mean, that's written down, but it doesn't do justice to the real, uh, the real scene that's going to take place. Uh, as it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for us. So as best as Sister White could write, uh, she can't do justice to the real scene. Kind of like when somebody goes somewhere, sees something real nice or experience it, and then they tell you about it, and then you go and do it, it's, it's totally different. It's a lot better to see it in, for yourself. Now, of course, there's going to be a lot of people, though, righteous around the throne, but who's, who's nearest to the throne, according to this paragraph? Who's nearest to the throne? The martyrs. Now, those who are zealous in the cause of Satan, but who plucked as were, but who were plucked as brands from the burning. Hmm. That's interesting. Kind of like if you think about how Saul was, he was very zealous uh, going against Christ, but then after his conversion, he was just as zealous for Christ. So those type people who were once on the devil's side, and now they're on Christ's side, just as devoted. And then next to those, next are those who perfected Christian character in the midst of falsehood and infidelity when the world declared it void. And then also here's the martyrs, the millions of all ages who were martyred for their faith. Did you realize millions of people died as martyrs? Because sometimes we just think of the major ones that we hear about, Martin Luther, Joseph Zwingli, etc. But there are millions of people we never heard about in the Colosseum and in the mountains of Italy and France uh, and in on, on mission trips, etc., who died. We never heard of them. But God knows who they, are, who they are, and he has marked their grave so that when he comes, he can raise them right back up for their reward. So... 
Um, don't think there's only a few martyrs. Millions of people have given their lives for Christ. And then after that is a great multitude that nobody can number. You know, you can't even count all the people that are saved uh, by the sacrifice of Christ before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. I think I had mentioned about palms, branches at one time, and I was asking what was the symbolism of the palm branch. Does anybody read that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you said the palm, it says the palm branches in their hands is a symbol of their triumph, triumph and the white robes and the emblem is the spotless righteousness of Christ, which is then now transferred to them. Yeah, palm branch, white robe, all symbols of triumph in Christ and righteousness, uh, which Christ has given to all the redeemed. Again, it's just so much going to be going on it's hard to really study about it because you know when you're reading it you're trying to imagine what it looks like but we can't really imagine everything that's going to really happen uh, the next next paragraph talks about the redeemed singing a song of praise salvation the angels and the seraphs also unite with their voices and then it says as the redeemed have beheld the power and malignity of Satan, they have seen as never before that no power but that of Christ could have made them conquerors. You know, Satan's tricking the wicked to thinking that he resurrected them, but the redeemed know no other power but that of Christ has made them conquerors. Isn't that amazing? And we were talking about, if you would remember the suffering of earth, but at the bottom of this paragraph, it says, nothing is said of what they have done or suffered, but the burden of every song and anthem is salvation to our God and to the Lamb. Again, you'd just be so happy. Sometimes we'll watch this show, um, what's it called? I Shouldn't Be Alive. Mm -hmm. Anybody ever see that show? I've never seen it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty cool. And uh, the people get lost or something or get in some is life threatening. Uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. You can find it. They're in some sort of life threatening danger and they going through all this pain and suffering and struggling, you know, for like days. One guy was stranded in the ocean for 77 days or something. But once the rescue plane came, he forgot all that. You know, you just don't even think about what you went through because now you're saved. And I was thinking about that when when we're saved and we're there with the Son of God in the city, we're not going to be thinking about all this suffering we went through. Not even going to enter our minds because we'll just be so thankful that we're saved. Yeah, so. You know, Elder Curl, that reminds me mm -hmm. on how people used to talk to my mother about having so many kids. And they was like, how much pain did you go through? And she used to be like, Oh, I don't even remember. I just know I had a big head child. And I was like, I used to laugh about that. Uh, uh, big head, had a big head child. <laughs> okay. That's what she used to say. It's true. It, it is kind of true that you forget that pain. You know, uh, you forget the pain. Hmm. Over a period of time. It's a good example. So the next uh, where it says the wicked at God's judgment bar. The wicked at God's judgment bar. So the king of kings pronounces sentence on the rebels. Those who have transgressed the law and oppressed his people, says the prophet of God, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it whose, from whose face the earth and heaven fled. There was no place found for them. I saw the dead, small and great, Stand before God and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the, the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. Any comment on that? Okay. It says, as soon as the books of record are open, the eye of Jesus looks upon the wicked 
And what happens to the wicked when Jesus looks upon them? He says they are conscious of every sin that they have ever committed. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Conscious of every sin they have ever committed. They see where their feet diverge from the path of purity and holiness, and also how far pride and rebellion carried them in violation of the law of God. Do you think people violate God's law because of pride and rebellion? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I do, yes. I think it's to the point they feel like, I ain't did nothing wrong. You know, it's like even if it's right in their face that they need to apologize to a brother or sister, I'm not going to do that because I don't feel like I said nothing wrong. Yeah, I think well, well I'll, let's go, go back to the... Let's go back to the people that stormed the Capitol. They really didn't think they were doing anything wrong. That's you know? true, sister. You're right. So the enemy has a way of perverting our understanding and uh, such that, and we know it's going to happen even more such that wrong becomes right and right becomes wrong. Yeah, because I saw on the news they were saying now it was a friendly protest and I thought, our eyes can see it wasn't friendly, but they keep saying, you know, I guess, you know, the backers of Trump, they saying that was a friendly protest. And I think in terms of the wicked, you know, they are to the point that you've already known that you're not being saved, but still you want to keep fighting saying, oh, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Hmm. Interesting point. I saw where they had somebody who was actually in the mob that attacked the Capitol and they was taping people and you could hear some of the people saying, kill them, get them, string them up, you know. And then you could look at other people who it looked like when they heard that, they was like, hey, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. People didn't know what they were doing, but some people did. Well, you know, what I think about is that with the wicked, when they look upon the holy city, they're going to see and know that it is a place to be desired to be in. It's it's light, it's warmth, it's it's you know food, everything. Whereas this earth has been barren for a thousand years, so it's cold. It's been without the sun, nothing growing, anything. So they're going to look upon the holy city and see it is the place to be desired. I think the same thing with the Trump supporters. They looked upon the presidency and the capital and said, this is the place to be desired and we're going to take it by force if we have to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Patsy had mentioned uh, some people would be saying, I didn't do nothing wrong. But here in this paragraph, it says, uh, we just were reading where they see every, they're conscious of every sin they committed. They won't be able to say that. And then a little bit lower says, the seductive temptations they encouraged by indulgence in sin, the blessings perverted, the messengers of God despised, the warnings rejected, the waves of mercy beaten back by stubborn, unrepentant hearts, all appear as if written in letters of fire. So nobody's going to be able to say, I didn't, I didn't do nothing wrong because it's going to be right in front of them. So that, that excuse is not going to work. Paul, I saw your uh, comments in the chat. We'll get to that part. It's a little farther down. Look at this. It says, the whole wicked world began to reign at the bar of God on the charge of high treason against the government of heaven. So why isn't that being happening here on earth? Why aren't these people charged with high treason? <laughs> yeah. Because you still have people in positions of power, Republicans in positions of power, that support that. Yes, yeah, says. And, they, and, and they, 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 they want, they want control back by any means necessary. Yeah, so they're pleading these people's cause, but here on the judgment bar of heaven, there is nobody to plead their cause. They're without excuse. Sentence of eternal death is pronounced against them, and then it says it's now evident to now evident to all that the wages of sin is not noble independence and eternal life. You know, again, with that insurrection, they was thinking, oh, this is 
noble and independent, you know, and all that, but it's not. It says it's slavery, ruin, and death. The wicked see they have forfeited by their life of rebellion. And the far more exceeding internal weight of glory was despised when offered. But now, like you had mentioned, Karen, now how desirable it appears. You know, now people are like, man, I, I really wish I could get that. I, I want that now, but it's too late. You know, when the, um, the, the Bible says now is the acceptable time, now is the day of salvation. And don't harden your heart when the Lord is calling you. Because there is no, uh, you know, many people say that you get a, that the millennium is going to be a thousand years on earth where you can get your life together. But that's not true according to God's word. You know, people are just sinning away thinking, well, when the millennium come, then I'll get my life together and repent. It's not going to happen. Now listen to this uh, sentence. It says, oh, strange infatuation. Are we not looking at that? Oh, strange infatuation. What you mean? It's, you know, when we, I'm thinking about the time we live in there, what we're reading is paralleling this exactly. This is a strange infatuation where people can actually know a person will lie. No, he will commit sexual harassment, if not sexual abuse, have even speculated on the fact that he would like to get with his own daughter. I mean, we're looking at this and yet people are heralding this man as a, um, as a great leader. You have like, um, stirred up this thing of racism until it's at a feverish pitch at this point. And you have African-Americans following this guy. Oh, strange infatuation. That's a strange, mm -hmm. this is a strange situation. Yeah, and believe it or not, people will vote for him again if he runs. At the end of that paragraph, it says, by their lives they have declared we will not have this man Jesus reign over us. So we have to be careful when, you know, when we're claiming that we accept Christ and then our lives should show that, you know, we think about in terms of obedience, obedience measures, how much you really believe and accept Christ as your Lord and savior uh, by these people, the evildoers lives, they're saying, I won't have Jesus reign over me. So when we see doing evil, that's what they're saying is, no, I don't want Jesus uh, being my Lord and Savior. And what by and our see, Elder Carol, saying we do want Jesus. Go yeah, ahead. That's, that's what I was saying when I said that they are determined that I've done nothing wrong. So why should they accept anything other than what their their minds have said? And they're already, you know, they've already been sentenced. Yeah. Strange, very strange. Uh, next paragraph, Satan realized he has excluded himself from heaven. So he is, uh, he sees that his voluntary rebellion has unfitted him for heaven. His accusations against the mercy and justice of God are now silenced. The reproach which he tried to cast upon Jehovah rests upon himself. And now Satan bows down and confesses the justice of his sentence. So here's Satan bowing down and confessing the justice of his sentence. And on the next paragraph, the wicked acknowledge Tell, God's Is justice. that when they say, when they talk about that the people are going to turn against, against him? Is that when the wicked realize that, that since he's bowing down, they turn against him? It's coming up here. Yeah, it's all, during, it's all during this time before they attack the city and stuff. So okay. the paragraph that says the wicked acknowledge God's justice. So this is part where every knee should bow, every tongue confess. Uh, as if entranced, I think several of y'all have mentioned people acting like they in a trance or hypnotized. The wicked looked upon the coronation of the son of God. They see in his hands the table of divine law and the statues they despised and transgressed. They witnessed the outburst of wonder, rapture, and adoration from the saved. And then it says, as the wave of melody sweeps over the multitudes outside the city, those are the evil people, all with one voice exclaim, marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. 
Just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints, and falling prostrate, they worship the prince of life. The I think that's interestingly that that's the only time they will worship him is right before their destruction. That's sad. Mm -hmm. Very sad. You know, it's funny that when, pe when people want something, and, and I often, you know, wonder when my mother used to say, don't just pray to God when you want something. You pray to him every day and you thank him. And I said, you just see most people, it's not until they have some kind of crisis, then they want to turn to God. <laughs> That's why they say a lot of people, you find a lot of conversions in the hospitals and prisons. On this part, next paragraph, God is vindicated before the universe. So not just earth, but the whole universe uh, comes down. Let's see. The results of the rebellion, the fruit of setting aside divine statutes have been laid open to the view of all created intelligence, not just earth, but all created beings. The working out of Satan's rule in contrast with the government of God has been presented to the whole universe. Remember, this is a great controversy, not just on earth, but all the worlds. And this is going to be open and presented to all the worlds that God created. It says Satan's own works have condemned him. You know why we say by, by your fruit shall you know them mm -hmm. or the proof is in the pudding. Because the person's own works condemn them, just like Satan's. God's wisdom and justice is fully vindicated. All his dealings in the great controversy have been conducted with respect to the eternal good of his people and the good of all the worlds that he created. And then uh, says, all thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. So it's interesting that the other worlds will be watching because the controversy was not just for, for earth, but for all them as well. Uh, it says the history of sin will stand up to all eternity as a witness that the existence of God's laws bound up the happiness of all the beings he created. And with all the facts of the great controversy in view, the whole universe, both loyal and rebellious, so that's the righteous and the unrighteous, all together declare, just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. So it will all be done, you know, and, and that's part of why sin will not raise his head again, because everyone accepts and declares that God's way is right and true. So there's no turning back after that. Uh, Patsy, here's the paragraph you were talking about. The wicked turn against Satan. This is paragraph 128.3. So what did you uh, read in that paragraph, anyone? What did y'all think of that paragraph? That, you know, I said, it, it's sad to say, but they wait until, you know how some people, they say, if I don't see it, I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think in this paragraph, they see it finally. But you had a chance to to live by faith, which is, you know, believing in things unseen. And now all of a sudden you see Satan bowing down, and now you're angry after everything he's caused. Now you get angry and want to want to fight with him. <laughs> yeah. But look at Satan. Uh, even though he acknowledged God's justice, what is he, what is, uh, what's the problem with his character? I changed. Unchanged, yeah. Yeah. This Still evil. have not changed. You know, sometimes we ask, why didn't God forgive Satan? Why didn't God forgive uh, Cain? You know, why didn't God forgive Judas? Different people, because their character has not changed. Mm -hmm. There's no true repentance involved. And if they had the opportunity, they would continue doing the same thing, just like we see now. Even at the very end, after Satan acknowledged he was wrong, acknowledged God's truth, true and righteous, he's still wanting to fight. 
The spirit of rebellion, it says, like a mighty torrent, again bursts forth. Do you know anybody who's always been a rebellious type person? Anybody know any rebellious people? Yep. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, they just don't change. Yes. They just refuse to change. You know, I've had, uh, I've had relatives who are rebellious, and even though they might get in trouble and get a weapon, they don't care. They still got the same attitude, still that same attitude of rebellion after the punishment, after the whooping, whatever, whatever happens. They just don't change. Yeah, but don't forget, it's not just for those who are just outright rebellious and have, you know, atheists or people who've denounced God. The self-righteous and those who thought they were being faithful, Lord, I did this and that in your name, they're going to be a part of that too. Yeah. But that's that's still rebellious to God because they're not being obedient to the Lord. You know, they may not, I guess it's not open per se, but it's still inward pridefulness. Basically, I'm taking God's <laughs> Well, and I think too, they didn't walk by faith. They walked by sight and they walked according to their works and self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. hmm. uh, and you go. know, sometimes I think that gets to be a little boastful for them because they started it. And I, and, you know, I don't mean to talk about church-wise, but you got people that will list, this is what I did for the church and this is what I've been involved in. And they start checking off this list and then you got somebody to say, well, and I'm just going to use this as an example. The only thing I did was work in community service, you know, and it's like they're putting that individual <laughs> down. But that individual made like the lady that, you know, put in all that she had and all these other, you know, rich people put in all that. Th that person is given what little bit and, and what God has asked them to do. And you got this person checking off all this stuff. And I've been in charge of women's ministry and y'all. <laughs> Just, just making that individual feel like, well, there's no sense for me to say that I've done anything. Yep. Mm. And, and the point is, is that um, unless we're doing it for Christ, you know, like if we did, well, in, in Matthews, it talk about the um, Pharisees and Sadducees or whichever one stand out on the corner saying, Lord, you know, praying out loud so everybody can see how holy they are. And he's saying they have their reward. That's the person's reward. They've just, you just cut your own stuff with, you know, all this prideful boasting and stuff. That's what you're getting. And so, you know, you, in a, in a way, the person who feels bad and, and that, well, I should have done more, that person, you know, will, will reap a greater reward. Even humility, I think, is a reward. <coughs> it's a reward to have that. Mm. Yeah. Sad. Um, a little bit farther down in that paragraph, it says, the wicked are filled with the same hatred of God that inspires Satan. So Satan still got that rebellious, hateful attitude, and the wicked are filled with the same hatred of God that inspires Satan. But what do they do that's different? The case is hopeless. And they, not, and they can't prevail against God. Mm-hmm. And so then what do they do? Lakita mentioned it. They turn against Satan. Yeah, they turn against Satan and says with the fury of demons, <laughs> they turn upon them and there follows a big scene of universal strife. So I guess they fighting amongst each other, you know, trying to get to Satan or whatever. But it's just, you know, it's just going to be a terrible scene. That's going to be interesting because, you know, how can humans fight with, with demons? No, well, Jacob wrestled with the angel. I don't know what's really going to happen, but they're going to be mad at Satan because they realize, hey, we're in trouble. It's hopeless. We can't beat Jehovah. We can't beat God. So let's get Satan. You know, it's kind of like if you ever seen or heard a group of people, they ought to do evil. Then when they get caught, they turn against each other. You know, mm -hmm. start fighting and snitching on each other. And they played the blame game. It was such, yeah. such fault that I did this. Yeah. It's just sad. Once again, the devil's tricks. 
says Satan's work of ruin forever ended. The wicked receive their recompense in the earth. Says it, they shall be stubble when the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. Talking about the evil, uh, the destruction. It says some are destroyed in a moment while others suffer many days according to their deeds. You know, when we talk about works, works has nothing to do with salvation, but it does have to do with uh, punishment according to their deeds. Anybody had any comments on this paragraph? Satan, the root, his followers, the branches. You know, Christ says that about himself. He is the root. We are the branches. And Satan has, he's the root of evil, and his followers are the branches. The full penalty of the law has been visited. Demands of justice met. Heaven and earth declare the righteousness of Jehovah. And Satan's work of ruin is forever ended. Uh, what's the next sentence after that say? So on paragraph 130.1, the first sentence, second sentence. How many years has Satan been doing evil? 6,000. 6, years. Satan has yes, for 6,000 years. Filling the earth with woe and causing grief throughout the universe. How does that apply to some of the things we hear on uh, TV or in the news? when it says 6,000 years. Oh uh, yeah, talking about the evolution. Theory. Because they say all the time, six billion years ago, and yeah. six million years ago, and yeah. all that craziness. And I always say to me, who was around to, to tell the story? You gotta have somebody who was around to tell the story. So, you know. Yeah, according to the prophet, as well as according to uh, folks who have measured time between kings and kingdoms, etc., they're around 6,000 years old. But, you know, for a lot of people, they say the earth is millions and billions of years. And, and you know, they have no real evidence or proof of that. We trust in the word of God and his prophets. But some people just trust in science. So-called, you know, as Sister White says. I mean, and it's true. And people are really strong. I've run into, I really hadn't heard of it really before, but I run into several people who, about three at least, who believe in evolution creationist theory or something, you know, and strong in that, very strong in it. What does that mean? Well, they believe that God created the earth, but it took six billion years. <laughs> it took time to get it done, you know. So I would really hate to believe in a God who would take six billion years to answer and get anything done. Yeah. Especially I, if my lifespan is only, you know, 70 or 80. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it before. Give me a few billion years. I'll come up with something. Yeah, many, uh, I recalled where some people did an experiment before, you know, where people were doing carbon dating, that was a big thing, where they would carbon date different substances and tell you how old it was. So some people had taken uh, some substance and burned it or whatever, then they buried it. And then they had a scientist, you know, act, act like they just found it. And they did the carbon dating on it. And the carbon dating people said it was millions of years old. And the people had just burned it themselves recently. <laughs> so you have to be careful, you know. You can't believe everything you hear, basically. So um says, now God's creatures are forever delivered from Satan's presence and temptations. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet and the righteous break forth into singing. A shout of praise and triumph ascends from the whole, the whole universe. The voice of a great multitude of many waters and mighty thunderings is heard saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Why do you think this is called terrible mercy? The final destruction of evil. Why is it called a terrible mercy? 
I mean, if they live eternally in the shape that they came up when they were dead, like, you know, in pain and all that stuff, that's, it's going to be merciful to end that for them, you know, they're not going to enjoy heaven. They still in the rebellious mind and don't like God and don't like godly people. You know, it's not going to be a happy place for them. It's not going to be great. So in his mercy, God allows them to go ahead and perish. Hmm. Anyone else thoughts about terrible mercy? You know, I think about that, you know, how if you if you force somebody to do something, they they continually rebel against it because they don't really want to do it. And yet you're asking them to do it. So I think God's mercy is like you didn't want to be here from the beginning. Why would I even impose when I gave you free will? impose that I bring you here where you will be miserable forever and ever and ever. Hmm. It says it's in mercy to the universe, mercy to the universe. Once again, all the other worlds and planets, it's in mercy to the universe that God will finally destroy the rejectors of his grace. While life is the inheritance of the righteous, death is the portion of the wicked. And it's not talking about just the regular death that all people have until unless Jesus comes, but it's the second death that will make an end and destroy the wicked root and branches, says. Of course, we know if the earth's going to be purified, what, what is the earth going to be purified with? Fire. Fire. We're down on paragraph 131.1 where it says the earth purified by fire. While the earth was wrapped in the fire of destruction, the righteous abode safely where? In the holy city. Yeah, in the holy city, while the earth was burning and being purified upon those that had part in the first resurrection, the second death has no power. While God is to the wicked a consuming fire, he is to his people, both the sun and a shield. Mm -hmm. And I, talking about John, I saw new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. The fire that consumes the wicked purifies the earth. Every trace of the curse, the curse of sin is swept away. So no eternally burning hell, but the earth is purified by fire and every trace of the curse is done away with. Every trace except what? There's only one trace of sin which remains. Does anyone know what it is? Our Redeemer will ever bear the marks of his crucifixion. On his wounded head and his side, his hands and feet are the only traces of the cruel work that sin has wrought. But not only that, but Jesus is going to be stuck in our body form. <laughs> He's going to always. Yeah, and that's sad because we'll have a new body and he won't. Well, he, he he does have a new glorified body. He just will not be spirit yeah, anymore. Spirit. No, yeah, right. He's going to be like, you know, reduced to, and I think about the other worlds, you know, they have been sinless and he doesn't, you know, take on their form. You know? Okay, I'm confused. Okay. Okay, when it talks about he's still going to be able to have the marks of crucifixion, that makes me think, you know, like I said, I, that makes me think well, by him being able to have to carry those scars so people can visually see them. That's why I said we're going to have new bodies, but he won't. And somebody can get me straight on that. He will have a new body. And we know that because when he was resurrected, the, his disciples didn't know him readily, which meant that he came back in an immortal body. But for the sake of the universe and forever us knowing knowing the sacrifice that he made he will retain those scars but other than those scars he does have a new glorified body and even retaining you know the human looking like us you know the human form i think that's kind of like that too a way of reminding us that you know this is there was a there was a big controversy and i gave it all up for you guys you know but I was saying, too, that the other worlds who have not sinned, you know, it seemed like they would deserve that more that his body would be, you know, in their shape and form. But he chose us, you know, to, to look like us throughout eternity 
and to bear those those marks because you know of course we know god could take the marks away he doesn't have to have them he's choosing to to do that. and it's like a sign of his love his his commitment to us his mercy to us you know it's just it's wonderful mm-hmm. and yet it's kind of sad to me that you know we cost him so much yeah. but i think too we will see our hope realized in him mm-hmm. when we look upon him mm-hmm. yeah it says uh, on that paragraph only one trace of sin remains one reminder alone remains our redeemer will ever bear the marks of his crucifixion the um his head, his side, his hands and feet are the only traces of the cruel work sin has wrought. But it says the tokens of his humiliation are his highest honor. And through the eternal ages, the wounds of Calvary will show forth his praise and declare his power. So it's not going to be said. It's just going to remind us uh, of what Jesus did for our soul salvation. And it's his highest honor to bear those marks for what he has given for all of us, for all the universes and all the other worlds. So truly a blessing, you know, that uh, that will end chapter 14. Our next time we meet on this book will be the earth made new. Uh, we just read about the earth being purified, but next time we come through this book, it'll be the earth made new. So um, Karen, where are we at for next week? Uh, we are in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 85, and we will start at Paragraph 491.2. 491.2. Okay, let's close out with the word of prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much for blessing us with your Holy Spirit's guidance. We thank you for the words of your prophet, dear Lord. We thank you for the words of your Holy Bible. We ask and pray that you'll continue to lead us into a closer walk with thee. Lord, help us to come to you with our questions because we know that you have all the answers and we ask and pray for a holy enlightenment. We may understand more about what you have planned for those who love you. In your blessed name, Jesus, amen. 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 Can everybody say one? I got a question. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hey, Karen, what's... Wait a minute.